Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Mojé. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Better, better, better. And we are entering the banter segment. And welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. It's good to hear from all of you, or at least it's good to pretend like you're all sitting there listening to us. Uh, it's true. So, wait, wait. You, you can't see that crowd of people staring at me as we're talking? Well, that's because you're in a glass room. I mean, no, I can't <laughs> see you. Well, they're not blinking, though. So it's a picture. Whatever. You're fine. Don't worry about it. But they're moving, but they're not blinking. Focus it, on our voice. You're fine. You're you, fine. <laughs> that's what you think. All right, all right. I'll look at the monitor. I'll look at the monitor. Okay. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> uh, last time we were supposed to record, we had so many people sick that um, I was really the only one that could have recorded anything. And I and wasn't feeling honest. great. Let's be honest. Those of you here on the main feed, not on the Patreon, don't necessarily want a Zen solo show. That's not raise your true. hand. That's not. I want. I want those. No. <laughs> There's like a third of them raise their hands. Okay. So see, the majority wins. A third is the majority. <laughs> oh. They don't want the. say the ones who oh. want the solo show was a third. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's quite. Right. Keep up. Keep up. I can't. It's I've I've had this week has been so you guys were all sick last time. This week has been crazy for me because I was sick Monday and Tuesday. Well, my daughter was sick Monday, but I picked up whatever she had late in the day, and then That's I was so nice for her to share. I know, and then I was sick Tuesday, then I worked Wednesday, and then I'm off the next two days. But I had to take my dog to the vet. Because she's got heartworm. And they're doing in, in conditions. I wasn't sick last time you were recording. No, that's true. You were um, in Colorado. I was in the air, enjoying a gin and tonic on a massively quickly moving tube of potential death, doom, and destruction. Yes. So see, that no, no, because when we would have started recording, you were still on that two-hour delay... Oh, in Colorado place. Springs <laughs> oh. <laughs> or Denver, whichever it was. I Modern remember air travel joys. But yeah. for those of you listening at home, we are now trying to make up for that. We are trying to have at least three of us, though we know we are missing our superstar jewels. Yeah. So we've got a good episode for you tonight. And we've been talking about the plans for the future. We have all of these great ideas and we want to see if your ideas match ours, which means if you have not already, please. 
Join us on Facebook. Become a member of the Facebook group for Seize the GM. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Maybe even throw a dollar or two our way on Patreon. And if you are really moved, we would absolutely love it if you would leave an honest five-star review on Apple for the podcast to help people find us and share us with your friends. Yes. Also, listen to us on Spotify, because we're on Spotify now. And, and share it reviews. that way. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I want, I want to see how many people I can get to listen to it on Spotify. <laughs> One day, Zen is just going to record that like spiel of me asking for your social media love and affection <laughs> and just insert it randomly in every episode. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically speaking, that is the recording we just played, and we played the backup recording that included you talking about making the recording and my explanation about what both recordings were. Hey, guys, sorry I'm late. What did I miss? (laughs) But also, don't forget, you can also find us on Discord. There is a link on the main site. And that link will take you straight to the server so that you can join if you are on the Discord. If you join, we'll share memes with you. We will. We will also share other things with you. I don't know what, but, you know, we will, we will, at least at the very, at the very least, we will sit there and chat with you. So, I do There's try to get some cool on people there. on there. You there should join you. us. In the meantime, that's not why you're here. You're here to hear us talk about gaming, geekiness, and GMing in particular. Yes. But it's been a while since I've gotten to hear from everyone. So, Noel, what have you been up to? World building. Ooh. So much world building. Do you know how hard it is to try to make an alien language and make a number system for them that is a base nine system and try to make, make it make sense in their new language you've made and not go insane? Actually, yes. I Yes, I do. I'm going to Good. say no. Because I don't know how to do it without going insane. Um. <laughs> I, I can't help you much because I'm pretty sure I've been long gone. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I recognize that cliff. It's behind me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just gave up and translated. I just gave up and translated everything back into or what people recognize nowadays. Yeah, it's easier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I needed it to uh, to make character names for the story I'm working on. So okay. it all had to make sense. And now I can work on the plot some more. Yay. Yay, plot. World building is good. I've, I've been playing around much with that as well, so I, I empathize. Uh, I have too. I've been building like crazy. What have you been building, Zen? Says well, Gardemanger, handing off the talking baton in an ever so subtle. <laughs> right? Uh, well, so it hasn't shown up in any of the feeds yet, but we have started recording our fake game that we are running. And it is very interesting. There has been, I believe, Five, we've recorded five episodes so far. Uh, the next time we record will probably be at seven or eight. And it will, I am thinking it's going to start going live in September for patrons. 
and it will have an initial run through our Patreon feed. So if you are giving um, money to the Patreon, you will get this run until the regular AP that I've been running runs out, which will be sometime in, I want to say... 2022. No, it's not that far. Uh, they're about to hit, not this, not next week, but the following week, they hit halfway. Nice. So, right. it'll be a while. It'll be after probably March before it actually starts in the regular feed. So, if you want to hear us playing Fate, if you throw us a buck or two, you'll get in on that and be able to hear it like six months ahead of everyone we, else. We also take recommendations from our patrons far more quickly. If you would like to see me delve into something in card catalog, you can always ask for that on any of our social media platforms. But if you do it on Patreon, I might read it first. Yeah. No promises. I might. It's not a reward tier, but, you know. Yeah. It, but... That's part of the problem, is, is over-promising and under-delivering. Yes. And that happens a lot with the BBEGs. Yeah, doesn't it, though? I mean, why? What, what, what about that makes it so difficult sometimes? And that's exactly what we're going to explore in our main topic, where we look at how do you make a compelling villain for your campaign. I love segues. I know, right? They're fun to write. <laughs> Wait, you write yours? That's not a segue then. That's just transition. <laughs> so, every campaign has an antagonist. Usually they are villains. And one of the biggest challenges and one of the ways that can truly make your campaign stand out is if you have a compelling villain. Uh, there are a couple of things that you'll be told that you'll hear everyone say just from the get-go. Uh, you know, make sure that there's a level of sympathy. Uh, try to understand the, the villain's drive. Make the villain the hero of their own story. Well, on that last one, at least make the villain the protagonist of their own story. It's okay if they recognize they are not doing good, and that's why that language has always bothered me. But that is true. Yeah, I, I will totally agree. I think protagonist is a much better way to describe that than the hero of their own story, because not all of them, some people will just, you know, some villains will just dive into that fatal flaw that they have, and they know that they're bad, but they don't well, care. Yeah, and that's something that you've got to think about is, you know, something I haven't written down, something not in the doodly-doo, is compelling villains are also ones that usually stick around. So mechanically, try to make sure there's a way for them to escape, to survive, uh, make sure that there's a reason for them to be able to recur, because that's the best way to build that uh, you know, horribly one-sided rapport that will result in PCs abandoning beautiful dangling plot threads to go after this guy who ran off. Oh, yes. Actually, actually, there's a very classic, classic version of this. And you see it in, now this goes way back to the early 80s when Frank Mincer wrote the Red Box set. 
<laughs> and anybody that knows this old adventure that's laid out and it teaches you how to play D&D step by step. And it's beautifully done. But the villain at the end, his name is Bargle. Now, do you know the last <sighs> time I, yes. Do you know the yeah. last time I actually remember reading that name? I was about 12. Now, yeah. Bargle played an integral part of many campaigns that I ran for years. It's because Bargle is one of the best villains ever, and he shows back up in, in the main Karamikos Gazetteer and all the information. He's, he's the first great vizier-like villain. He is a, he is a great, compelling villain. What is it, though, about him that makes him so compelling? It, one of it is just he stands out. Uh, he, he's got a, a particular flair and appearance that um, it's kind of hard to replicate. And yeah. you want something that people are going to remember. You're going to want something that is memorable visually because since we're mainly talking about playing this game uh, in our imaginations, we need to be able to conjure up the images. And so Bargle the Infamous, even though he didn't originally have stats, did end up with a, a full you know, description and uh, illustration in Bargle. Now, what's very I mean, interesting... Illustration, well, of Bargle, illustration of the Grand Duchy of Caramigos, love him. No, he actually, there is also a picture of him in that adventure. That little, like, choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. He's actually, there is a picture of him in there. But, not only that, years later, when Paizo was in charge of doing Dragon Magazine, they actually did a much later, older version of him as a 3-5 write-up. This is an example of a long-standing villain and big, bad, be- evil guy. Um, yeah. Bargle is... If you find gamers of about our age and mention the word Bargle, you'll see us twitch, and there will be a <laughs> glean of anger that comes over our eyes. And uh, why quite, is that? Well, this ties into another something that I like to talk about. He literally broke the rules, and I like to make sure my big, bad, evil guys break the rules a little bit. He had no stats originally. He was one of those wonderful, and Bargle's going to get away. Yeah. It's just kind of written into the adventure. No matter what your PCs did, they couldn't stop it. Yeah. But I don't always like doing that, but I like creating an unusual or special power or ability that will set uh, the villain apart. Uh, One of the examples, I mean, if you think about uh, Magneto compared to the X-Men. Very different set of powers, especially when we start using magnetism for mind control, but that's the topic of another podcast. <laughs> I can recommend several. Trust me. <laughs> A odd job in Goldfinger. Uh, the ability to throw the hat is, is really unusual and sets yeah. him apart from other villains. You've got something that creates... Uh, questions in the PC's heads. You've got something that they can't always game out. Um, and another example I had at one point in a hero system game, a uh, superhero game, I had a, a supervillain martial artist who had 
uh, intangibility with completely invisible power effects. So he just went into a defensive stance and deflected anything. <laughs> yeah. It was an intangibility power, not a defense right. power. So my PCs were sitting here and was like, well, he's got fully invisible on it and uh vocal component. So he has a key eye and goes into a defensive stance and deflects your energy blast. What? Yeah. And it frustrated them greatly, which was honestly something I was looking forward to. And they did eventually get to beat him, which made it all the sweeter. Now, you said breaking the rules. Now, here is something that you can actually do with this. And it breaks the rules, but it doesn't at the same time. If you reskin, if you're, if you have to have stats, if you reskin one thing as another, and <laughs> it will mess them up so bad because they'll be like, this is a goblin. They shouldn't be able to do this. And you give them something like all of the, like, instead of giving them all the goblin abilities, give them the abilities of, like, giants. I mean... That's crazy, radically different. But if you think about it, all you did was change the size of them and gave them a few other weird things. Like, they're way too strong for their size, so they're able to throw these giant boulders at people. Why am I having flashbacks to fighting a goblin with a belt of giant strength? Because you mistook the Duragar for a goblin with a belt of giant strength. <laughs> But see, those things like that, though, you can do, and it will mess them up, and it breaks it breaks their expectation of the rules. And that's part of what creates a compelling and memorable villain, is when there's something that makes the players engage more than usual at the table. Because let's be honest, sometimes we all will check out. Sometimes we're all going through the motions just to get to the dice rolling. Because there's nothing wrong with that if that's the kind of game you want. Yeah. And making them have that moment of, but wait, I have to figure this out? The, yeah. People like me who have this annoying encyclopedic knowledge of everything in a game system in the lore and going, wait, what? Yeah. Because it throws you for, it throws you for a bit. You're like, what is this thing? This isn't in any book. And it's like, oh no, it is. <laughs> I just I, changed the name and the appearance of them, but they're in the book. I, I still remember and, and, you know, Using D&D as an example, I had a ranger with aberrations as favorite enemies, and I still recall my utter disdain for moon cows, because they're <laughs> magical beasts. Despite being flying, psionic, tentacly things, they're not aberrations, they're magical beasts. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Get over it. <laughs> never. Never got over it. But... That's an example. Like I said, breaking the rules is kind of shorthand for breaking the expectations. It could be within the rules. It could just be like with the invisible D-solid to make it you know, just appear to be something else. But anything that can force the players out of complacency, not the characters, but the players out of complacency, is going to help make your villain compelling and memorable. Yeah. Now, if they've got sympathy and you understand their underlying drive – you've probably met the next one we're going to talk about. 
It's Which giving is. him just a little history. Yeah. Not 20 pages of backstory, not an, an epic novel-length example of history, not the history that you'd post in Facebook groups and kind of laugh at with fellow players. Enough of their background to take their motivation into action. And this is also where you can create sympathy because have them have some kind of a hook to player backstories. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like villains coming from the same town. Noel, I'm sorry. So, what's that? You have to make sure they they fit in the world more than just you know bumping those stats a little differently with the rules, but make sure that these have an entities within your campaign, making sure that they fit that narrative web that the players are traveling, and they can feel the tug of the villain pulling them that way. Yeah, that's another yeah. And similar to the the superhero dark reflect supervillain dark reflection of the hero, how did they come out the way they did if they came from the same town as the hero, or if they had the same teacher? It, it, what are common points where there could be a reason that they are similar to a player character that enriches the role playing and enriches their standing in the setting? Yep. And, like, it doesn't have to be much. Sometimes it just has to be a few tangential threads that connect. And the players will actually, some players, I should say, will latch onto those and make more of them than you had thought of. Make all the notes. All the time they're talking, make all the notes of everything that they're saying. Because then you can take all of those notes that they've been spewing and their theories and ideas, and you can cherry pick the few that you want. And then when you put those back in, the players are going to be like, look at how smart we were. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially if you take that and then bring it back to the first comment of breaking the rules, you go, oh, those are their expectations. Well, yeah. Twist a little. Yeah. Five degrees off, 10 degrees off. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be much. But and that's that, we're already expecting villains. We're already expecting antagonists in this setting, in this system, and in how we play this game. So make it easy for them to enjoy the interaction. Make it easy for them to want the villain to monologue. Because let's be honest, half of your players are going to sit here and mutter and say, "If I was the big bad evil guy, I'd never monologue. I'd just straight up get rid of them." All of my evil minions are going to have clear face plates. You know the list. <laughs> yeah. Make them want to hear the monologue. Yeah. Yeah, because if you can make them want to hear you monologue, then they've bought in. Make them stand out. Break the rules a little bit. Give them enough history that... You know, that, that sympathy that you know you're gonna have to try to generate, that drive you need to identify, is going to have flesh on the bones. And that's kind of what we've always talked about here for a couple of years, once he's the GM. Yeah. Is going from a skeleton to a skeleton with some meat on it. And it's easy enough to create a, a villain for an adventure in any setting. It's easy enough to make a bunch of space pirates in sci-fi and to have that as the villain. But how do you make them interesting? How right. do you make them 
compelling? Is the leader of the pirate crew maybe someone who was on an experimental mission for the same group that's hired the PCs that was left behind and, and written off? Is this about, you know, economic instability? Are these the remnants of, of settler ships that we're never going to survive on a planet that couldn't support enough food growth for them. Is there a reason that all of their ships have pink mohawks? Uh, yes. All things should have pink mohawks. But this is, this is how we take it from being a generic villain to something that could be more compelling. Hopefully that alone gave you an idea. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think right now we've got a really solid base here. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to put this aside and we're going to roll on into our next topic. And now we enter stat blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. All right, Zen, go. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Quick on the draw. <sighs> Zamai. The days stretched out long and desolate. The bars of the cell seemed even larger than they had the day before. The growth of beard had long since passed the itchy stage. The cell also seemed to be getting smaller all the time. How had he ended up here at this point where all things were against him? Family, friends, kingdom, all hated him because of what he had done. What was this horrible thing, you ask? He had to kill the king and bring about the next age of peace, obviously. That peace might come at the point of a sword, though. The little people had to be used to help end the old king's reign of oppression. The fact that they had little say in the matter, that was of little consequence. The people that started to question, though, they needed to be shown that this was the only way. It wasn't my way or the highway, though. Showing them my vision in a new way would help them to understand their place in the bigger picture I was orchestrating. Showing them my vision could get a little messy, though. The number of little people that paid the price was small in comparison. I mean, a few hundred, so that others could see and understand. The potion that was in the water supply was only there to help push people to want to help me. I never wanted to hurt them, but the price of freedom must be paid with the blood of the innocent. Then the one person that was not affected had to show up. My own brother would be my downfall. I understand what I now must do. The seals all inside my cell have called the help that I needed to escape this prison. It will help to rid me of the flesh that is the prison guard over me. Now to call this name as I spit a mouthful of blood on the floor. The form that erupted from the cell was unlike anything the townsfolk had ever seen. Scaled from the head to the tip of the tail, long wings stretched out 
to catch the wind as the massive legs pushed the great beast into the air. The roar that erupted from the snout was deafening and ground-shaking. Then another bit of the grotesque, it belched a stream of flame from its mouth as it wheeled around and took to the skies. I see what you did there. (laughs) You tied it into the main topic like an overachiever. I did. (laughs) Usually that's me. I'm I'm impressed. I I was like, I want to come up with something that's cool. And actually the name is... So just for the record, folks... Definitely go out, take a word that you want, like dragon, and find another language for it, like Bosnian. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it definitely, <laughs> I recognized where we were going. So, I mean, it's, it's neat, though, because Google Translate will give you, it may not be perfect, but it will get you in the right ballpark. Especially if you want to throw something like that where, you know, you want to use a name that most people aren't going to recognize is what you're going to blatantly hand them. It's a very easy way to do that. So it, it was too similar to the Russian word for dragon. So I will. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was kind of on board here. <laughs> no, go for it. All right. right. <laughs> the trade halls of the Reed Tile. Countless voices speak in myriad dialects, in different tones, and multitudes of somatic gestures. They hail from worlds known along the interstellar roads and worlds kept secret from the galaxy, hushed away in the night. They're all here for the same thing, the same drive and goal that pushes all of these sentients to learn a common tongue. Trade. Glass curves overhead, blocking out the burning sun, the barely terraformed rock. The hall is large enough for a small corvette to fly in through its great doors. Harsh, hot, and muggy air flows in these arch openings. But powerful and loud turbines spin over the sweaty and crowded hall merchants, offering an annoying but welcome relief. But the smell of the hall still remains, despite the notes of spices, oils, and fragrances for sale. All are cut through by the endless smell of sentient life pushed into cramped quarters. Here one can find what they need. To show they have enough energy credits worth trading. Every good, every service, every product. If it's sold along the trade routes of the galaxy, it will end up with a stall here. Even if the original owner or trade holder doesn't know about it. Getting lost in this bazaar of the stars takes just a moment to follow the call of the Ritao tongue. To listen to the merchant as they beckon to come closer. To taste, touch, test, tease, trade, and take. Here, one gets what one needs, whether they know they need it or not. Fine. It's been a long time since I've done a place, so... Yeah. I like it, yeah. I do. That was nice. I kind of want to steal that now. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the point of these? Well, that's the the word there, Tao, is one of the language things I'm doing for my alien species, so I thought I'd tie it in a little bit. Nice. All right, Gordemanger, what you got? Bring us up. <sighs> BIOS update 2ZY-3.4X. 
It seemed like a simple tweak in the subroutine's design when you and your team stole the specs from the corp mainframe. It was just another of the incessant and unending iterative improvements that let them claim and take another piece of the wages everybody earned. Somehow, it was okay that these brain implants needed constant adjusting, and managing to dull your senses and nerve responses probably helped everybody with being hungry and cold so often. It wasn't until a week later you remembered you still had a copy. Your implant was glitching, and so you thought it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and patch the firmware with this... this... Experimental upgrade. It's not just a new operating system or a little tweak on the edges. This was a whole new ballgame. What they didn't tell you was that the world was deeper and richer than you imagined. Deeper and richer than what it let you see. You saw what you hadn't before. The shine in the sky, the twinkle in the eyes, the bodega cat. It all came together. It was when you were walking that it came full circle. It was at the corner of June and Hospice when you realized that you were not alone. In the shadows and the cracks of this omnipresent world voice, you saw someone reach out for you. And it wouldn't have been something you saw but without the 3.4X reaching for you from that storm drain. Oh. That corner has been used before. Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I think it was, and I can't remember what the other thing that you did, but I think it fits right into this. It does. All right. Okay. So, so teaser, uh, I guess it's not really a teaser. That's like, uh, Easter egg. Go, go find yeah, it. Go, <laughs> go back and listen to or find the old mention of the corner of June and hospice and what it may or may not mean and see if I am slowly and quietly expanding that world in a world-building way that will let me discuss with you the GMing nature of world-building and how to integrate things like sci-fi and what's coming from the corner. Yeah, that is nice. I like it. All right, guys. You ready to flip on to the next thing? I think that our listeners deserve a compact and efficient show. Let's go for it. All right. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. Okay. We ready? Yes. All right. Bring it. The word is logogram. Oh, oh, I know this one. I know this one. This is a special form of Instagram where you only talk in name brand logos. No, no, no. This is the last appearance of the fourth doctor. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you are both wrong. Though I know Gordon actually knows this word, so. <laughs> I know this word too. <laughs> yeah, but I know he does because when I mentioned it, he's like, "Oh my god, that's a great word." <laughs> it's, it's so fun it is. So it's a word that's about the way language itself is symbolic. It, it's kind of second level symbology where we go from just having words that represent things to having a, a thing that represents a word representing a thing. Yes. So the definition of logogram. It is a letter, symbol, or sign used to represent an entire word. 
So like the ampersand, ampersand. Yes. and the dollar sign, those are logograms. Now, its first known use was in 1840. And the lookup popularity is the bottom 30% of words. Yeah. So nobody really knows what it is. They know what it is, but they don't know the word for it. Most people just don't. Curious, just personal curiosity. Does it show, like, the range of when those words were looked up, by chance? Uh, it's within the last year. That it went up to 30%? Uh, yeah. I can tell you why. So, the game I keep talking about in my closing remarks, Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> in the last expansion, they had a special area called Eureka where you did all these kind of cool things, blah, blah. You could also pick up special abilities by picking up these items called logograms. And these logograms represented abilities, the symbolic abilities, the uses of these concepts. So people were looking up things. logograms. Looking up logograms. Yes. So a lot of people in the last oh, year to 18 months have learned about this word. That's cool, though. I'm glad that it does that. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, because we've been pretty tight on everything. Let's go ahead and hit those closing remarks, guys. Okay. It's not going to come as a surprise, but I'm going to suggest it and, and want to recommend it. In fact, Noel tried to have that. Uh, I did. <laughs> and, and I literally cursed him in the show notes of the doodly do, and, and he switched it around. Good eats the return. Alton Brown, patron saint of modern cooking, has returned, and Good Eats is back. Not just on TV, but a whole episode has been released on YouTube that you can find the link in the doodly do. This so is it, it's a reminder that there's nothing else like it on TV, and there's really nothing else like it in food TV. In a show that teaches you the actual recipes, the science, and also has an artistry where there is always at least one camera shot in every episode they have never done before in any Good Eats. Oh, nice. I absolutely love all this show, and this ties into Seize the Gym, is that a lot of times they will give you the history of the meal, of where it came from. It's, it's really good if you just want to watch it for the sake of learning how to tie in culture into what you're doing with your characters and world and whatnot. It just, it works great for that. And this, we watched the episode tonight, by the way, like <laughs> about an hour before we started recording. That's and, funny. Oh, such a good episode. It was so good to have it back. Yeah, I, I, I may have the book that Shirley wrote that got her the position as, as culinary anthropologist on the Good Eats show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm one of those geeks. Nice. I am envious. No, what do you have since I, I kind of took Good Eats to Return away from you? So, I am finally caught up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until the last release DVD. I just watched Avengers Endgame this week. And I'm going to completely avoid spoilers because I'm going to instead tie back to our main topic. Good, because I haven't seen it yet. Right. So, 
it was just, it, it was nice seeing this because it is a good end cap on the first 22 movies? 23? Yeah. Uh, 22, I think. And just, it's interesting going back thinking of all the villains that have been in those movies, how they all, you know, which ones and how they all tie into like this final one and which ones didn't tie in, blah, 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 blah. And just thinking about what made the villains that stood out that I remember and which ones had villains who I don't remember what their name was of a given movie because who cares? And it's just, it's interesting seeing this movie, seeing how it's shaped. If you think of the protagonists as your players and knowing which villains shaped them and which villains kind of were like, eh, bad guy of the week. Yeah. So, had a lot of fun with this. I enjoyed the movie. Check it out, especially if you're a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, it's the end cap of the first arc. Yeah. So, enjoy. Okay. So, anybody that knows me knows that I am a a little bit of an X-Man fan. No. You know, a a little bit. Um, I just bought a, uh, a Nightcrawler Marvel Legends series that just came out today. I also found a copy of, uh, Boom Boom. So if you don't know who either one of those characters are, go look up old X-Men stuff. <laughs> but, so, John Hickman basically said, because if you've ever read X-Men stuff, it's really convoluted because they do time travel, they don't die, they, you know, like, they'll kill a character, but they'll bring him back, and, like, they've done this numerous times. The storylines and the timelines are so messed up that it's impossible to figure it out. So, John Hickman came to Marvel and said, I have this great story that I want to tell, but I have to break all of the things that we've got on the X-Men and bring it back to an even playing field and basically not reset everything, but flatten everything so that anybody that comes after can write stories with them that don't contradict each other. And I've got this whole plan. He's done this before with other big titles. He did it with Avengers, I believe. And maybe the Fantastic Four, like, he's done it with some big groups. He may not have done Fantastic Four, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he did Avengers. Um, and he's got this awesome writer, or, uh, artist with him, uh, R.B. Uh, Silva, who is, like, taking these two books. So it's a two-book series that's gonna run six issues each, but you don't read book one, of House of X and then book one of Powers of Ten, which they use the X for ten. Uh, but what they're doing is you may read one, I believe like the re- in the back of the first issue, it gives you the reading order for all 12 issues. And it's uh, houses, powers, house, powers, And then you read another issue of Powers, and then you read two issues of House, because he's telling this massively complex story that involves many, many elements 
that's tying it all back together so that everything's on its really nice, consistent playing field for everybody to go forward with it. And it is an amazing ride. I have gotten through the first four out of the 12, and it is so insane, but so good. The story is great. The artwork is phenomenal. Like, I just love all of it. So go out and read them, because as soon as it ends, and the problem is, is that it's a weekly. So one week it'll be one title. The next week it'll be another but they're in order. So if like there are two come back to back, those two will be in order. So you have to basically read them as they come out for it all to make sense. And don't read them out of that order because it will mess everything up. (laughs) Uh, But it is so good. So amazingly good. And I can hardly wait to see where he's going once this 12-part story is done, because he's going to continue writing X-Men, he said, for the foreseeable future. So he's already committed to doing, like, I think another, like, a full year, maybe two years, of writing just X-Men stories. So this is going to be really, really cool. If you like X-Men and mutants and that sort of thing, this is going to be cool when it's all finished. So go out and read them, please. God, they're so good. (laughs) They really are. Like it is worth every bit. So yeah, that's, that's mine. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Needless to say, I really like mutants, (laughs) but I think that we're going to go ahead and call this bad boy wrapped up. I think it's a good amount of time we've spent on it. Hopefully you've gotten something useful out of our discussion of what it takes to make a a memorable and and compelling villain. Remember that we know you're going to try to make some kind of sympathy and understand the drive for that villain, but do that with making them stand out enough of a history to tie them into the rest of the story or at least the world and break the rules a little bit to keep your players on their toes. Yes. Don't forget to look at your movies, your books, your games, and see. look at the villains that you've loved that have stood up for you. Pick apart what makes them compelling. So as you make your own villains, you can follow in those footsteps. Yeah, definitely. All of those things, and try to have fun while doing it, guys. Because you can dive into some pretty dark parts of your own mind, And it it can take a bit of getting used to doing that sort of thing. But if you can kind of dive in, pull the parts that you need and then get back out, it'll be, uh, it'll be good. (laughs) So until next time, folks, roll some dice, have fun. (laughs) Jake, show me a beer. And don't forget to find us, like us, and review us on social media. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.
you can contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zenged, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050GardMoget. And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seize the GM.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash seize the GM podcast. And we thank you. joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.